Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot by with Hunter Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Outkick.com is where you can find us live. We are flying by today. Flying by with Full show. show is also there, Chad. Outkick.com. Full show watch. lives on the website. Outkick.com. Bookmark. You can see a 45-minute version of the show. 40, Give or take 40, 45 minutes of the show on YouTube every day. We still do exist on YouTube as well on the Outkick page. So check us out in all of our various forms, including if you don't want to look at our face, you can always just <laughs> hey, listen yeah. to the podcast. Check out the podcast, yeah. yeah. Wherever you download your audio. That's right. Uh, Davey Hudson joins us because I want to give him some credit here because he predicted, uh, maybe maybe this was a layup, I don't know, uh, that there would be uh, freezing issues, hypothermia issues. Some hospitalizations. Hospitalizations. Uh, due to the we temperatures. We had a hospitalization prediction from Davey Hudson. Well, we did true. in a text over the weekend. Uh, it, it, basically saying that it shouldn't be played there, uh, given the, the conditions. Uh, fans were hospitalized, they, given they were. The, the freezing temperatures? Yeah, there were, uh, I believe, Fox 4, which is a Kansas City um, yeah. local affiliate, they reported there were 70 calls for issues related to health scares surrounding the cold and fans in attendance for the Kansas City Chiefs game. The, the other thing that came about this was there were dozens of hospitalizations just simply because of fans experiencing hypothermia symptoms. I uh, Something that drives me crazy, uh, don't like to see anybody hospitalized, obviously that drives me crazy too, but when people want to say football weather, well, that's, that's football cool. weather. Football weather is not single digits or teens and snow and ice. Football weather is like 50 degrees in the fall uh, on, a, on a perfect cool day. It's not hot weather either. It's something right in the middle, right? That's to me, yeah. football weather is a nice autumn afternoon. Uh, what we're dealing with in Kansas City this past weekend with these hospitalizations, that is no one's definition of football weather. So let's stop just throwing that phrase out about football weather when we see a game like that. Let's see what the football weather is in Buffalo this weekend, shall we? Yeah, because and, Patrick Mahomes is playing in his first road game of the postseason. They said last week they already had the, uh, the forecast on the broadcast or on, on Monday's game. They said it's going to be a balmy 22 it's still, or something. It's, it's still, I mean, it's it's like still 22, 22, 23, yeah. Still 22. So it's going to be warmer. It's going to be 15 degrees in Baltimore for uh, the Texans. They've been practicing outside. It's been cold in Texas, like 20 degrees. Yeah. They've been practicing there, uh, 30 degrees. Uh, you see people uh, rushing in to uh, the, the, the Cowboys game? For standing room Yeah, because, well, it was so cold. Well, they run, people they even run with in. tickets, yeah, but they were they were coming in out of the cold too because it was freezing in Dallas. That, that's I, a mad I, dash for that. But. I only saw the video in reverse, and it was around the third quarter. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I did want to add one more point on. Um, we'll tease this, but we'll talk a little bit later on in the show about the weather in Detroit. Oh, <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. Man, I, it's one of those that um, I I have to like duck under the table when I'm hearing it and watching it go down because it's so uncomfortable when you see someone screwing up to that level. We'll definitely hit that later. We'll, we'll talk with Dan Dockage about this uh, with Jim Ursay, but uh, the report that he was found unresponsive in December. 
Chad, we we had uh, discussed the Colts owner uh, a handful of times throughout the season. You know, it started really in the preseason when all of the running back debate was yeah. going on. He was he, the, he'll talk. He was he, the he owner. Talk, that, he would talk about it. Uh, all of the Daniel Snyder information from the owners' meetings. It was Jim Irsay that would come out and say something. Um, I he's he's been going downhill, yes. and. We had Andrew Kramer on to talk about yes, her piece with him. That's right. I don't know how you keep that quiet. I don't know how it's possible. How do you keep you're found unresponsive and it's quiet until January 16th in December? Well, and remember he um he had that whole deal with Andrew Kramer where he said he was basically being targeted because he's a rich white man. Yeah. Because he's a white billionaire in his neighborhood in, in Indianapolis. Which uh, I know Dan said is crazy because it's that's one of the richest yeah. zip codes in the country that he lives in. Everyone around him is also rich, um, but this would be a case of someone definitely not targeting you that it wasn't reported, that somebody didn't right. get this out that it happened. I, I'm with you. I, I, it's crazy that we're just now hearing about this. Yeah, and it was a you know due to a suspected overdose. Um, this was last month. I just uh, he had a respiratory illness is what he's dealing with now. Um, and this was what a few days ago. I just don't know in, in this day and age with TMZ and everything else, what news gets out, how you're found unresponsive and you, you're over like every news station is going to have, you know, the police blotter yeah. and you're going to have emergency crews and it, you would hear that. I don't know how it was just silent. Yeah, I, I, and I, I called his house at four thirty AM, but on December on December eighth, authorities were called to his house. I, I'm surprised it didn't get out. Yeah, responding uh, officers found Ursay struggling to breathe. Uh, Narcan was used. He responded slightly, according to TMZ Sports, and then paramedics took over to save his life. Sixty four years old, and he looks way older than that. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy that he's only sixty four. And all you have to do is watch that real sports piece with Andrew Kramer, and you take one look at the guy, and he is not healthy. Uh, no. He is he is withering away, and it's sad to see. Uh, have you heard this? The Swifties uh, have had a, a Taylor Swift fan uh, reaction to uh, Jason Kelsey paying tribute to him with his NFL career. Uh, I uh, you know you leave it to the Swifties; they're, they're going to come up with something. Yeah, you got the of course the relationship with Travis and the whole yeah. the we're whole. Not, uh, we're not going to dare play this Taylor Swift song during the show because uh, the Swifties would probably be on us with a lawsuit immediately if, if that were to take place. Yeah, it's, uh, again, uh, the, the the fandom, the craze for the Kelsey's is unbelievable and how it's flipped. They were always popular, but now they're recognized as, I mean, they are among the top faces of the league now. You've got a sinner as yeah. one of the top faces of the league. Well, their podcast the was a big part of that. And then, obviously, the Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift deal just set it off into the stratosphere. Dan Dockett joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I got word that he was ready. We'll see in a second. Uh, maybe not. I'm ready. Oh, Dan's there. Okay, good. We just got a nope. black screen. So we, uh, we'd lo- we normally ready, like to though. see you, Dan. Hey, there, he there he is. There he is. Looking good, as always. Danny, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I'm good. I was listening to you guys talking about Ursay. Yeah, I'm telling t- you, and I know Kuharski used to get mad, but <laughs> his local media here is so in pocket with Ursay. 
I mean, I get it. Maybe you can keep it off the police blotter. I, I don't know. I don't know, know like how Carmel, you do Indiana. it. Someone's talking somewhere yeah. well, if you hear it, you know? Well, it's crazy. It, here's the deal. Carmel, Indiana, they didn't care at all about Jimmy Ursay uh, when he got arrested. The interesting thing is this. Jimmy Ursay came out on Real Sports and one of these things with Andrea Kramer uh, right about the time when this whole thing happened, and he was complaining that the Carmel police – targeted a rich white dude. I think yeah. we talked about it yes, on, on this show. And Carmel doesn't care. Carmel's the nicest town in Indiana. It's a rich town. They got a lot of rich people. They got a lot of people more important than than uh, Ursa in that town. And I, I'm just sitting there stunned. And then, of course, our media here, we got insiders left and right. Everybody's an insider. And all they did, whether it was Stephen Holder at the Athletic, Greg Doyle and, and the idiots at the Indianapolis Star, all they did was regurgitate the releases that the Colts had now. They've all said, we don't, you know, we, we heard it was rumors. There's a lot of rumors. We don't report rumors. Well, fine, but you got a lot of people that are paying for, quote, insider stuff. At what point do you get actual actual reporting? It's always TMZ. It's always Schefter. It's never right. the Indy Colts media. And I don't know why these folks with the Indy Colts media protectors say so much because he sure the hell don't protect them. They, they never get a story. I mean, never, ever. So this is very weird. I, I don't know what's true, what's not true. It sounds like the whole uh, OOD thing is true. It sounds like that he struggled, found unresponsive. But, you know, first I heard about it was like, all right, who's walking in? I know where Ursay lives. Uh, he's got a big sprawling mansion on about 126th Street in Carmel on Crooked Stick Golf Course. You know, I, I think to myself, like, other than my wife, who's walking around my house at, at 4 o'clock in the morning finding me unresponsive? The whole thing is very weird to me. It's just, it just doesn't smell right, uh, and I don't know that we'll ever get to the truth. So um, what, what happens if he's incapacitated and can't run the organization? Is, have they said anything well, about that? I don't know how that would work. Well, his daughters have been taking more and more control. In fact, it's kind of a joke here in India that his daughters have headsets on during the game. They're on the <laughs> sideline with clipboards. True story. They are. <laughs> And I've, I've asked, like, hey, any of you insiders here know why th- what's going on here? Like, anything. But uh, I think it's Kaylin is her name or Kaylee. Or there's two daughters, and they're both literally, literally, fellas, have clipboards, headsets, wow. writing down notes on the sideline. Now, you tell me another owner. I don't see Arthur Blank doing that. I, even Jerry Jones, I don't see him doing that. So my guess is um, it'll be business as usual because okay. Ursay – has the daughters running it. Dan, did you ever shove another weird deal? Did you ever it shove is. another team's player when you were coaching like Nate Oates did when he shoved the Missouri kid last night to get out of his huddle? That was weird, fellas. Uh, you, you never want to escalate. You, you never do. You you, you want to, hey, fellas, all right, you put your hands up. You don't extend. You don't mm-hmm. – because what if a player then knocked his arm away and now you've escalated the deal? I, I like that he got in the middle. I like that he understood, but it's a no-win situation for a coach. The answer is no. No. I mean, we had a couple of things where me and another coach got, got into it, because whatever, but never, never. I always told my players, like, I'm going to yell, scream, cuss, make you do stuff you don't want to do, but I'm never going to hit you, never going to touch you, never going to grab you because you beat the hell out of me. Uh, I said, I just think I'm tough. You guys are tough. I go, I I don't need that in my life. But, no, I thought that was ridiculous, and it's just another thing with Oates. Um, I know he had to apologize, and, you know, that's good. I don't know what else they could make him do, but 
you're taking you're taking your career in your hands because I don't think anybody in the court of public opinion, once he extended and did all that, I don't think anybody would have come at or protected Oates if that player would have gone after Oates physically. I, I think once you do that in a heated situation, man, and those things do get heated, people go, you know, have an out-of-body experience. I think you got to be very careful as a coach there, man. Very careful. Dan, how would you have responded if you're the other coach, if you're Dennis Gates in that situation? That's, I, I didn't see that reaction. No, I didn't either. I, I know that uh, Dennis Gates, the, the coach of Missouri, is a tough kid. He's a good player. He's a smart guy. Um, I don't really know, you know, because, again – you know, here, here's a guy escalating it. Do yep. I go defend my player, you know, which is what everybody wants to do because you want to come into that locker room after and have the players know I always got your back. But am I escalating to this to now where more players are fighting? Maybe players are defending me. They, mm. You know, it's, it's just – it's bad business. It, it just is. Maybe you go stand in front of the player and you say, hey, man, calm down, blah, 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 blah. But just to come out there, so many things, I'm telling you, so many things can happen in that situation. And good that it didn't. Good for the player. Good for Gates. Good for everybody involved that it didn't. But I, I saw that. I'm like, man, I thought exactly what you thought. What about other players? Because I guess probably a couple of them know who Oates is and doesn't oh, yeah. like him. What about the assistant coaches on Missouri? What about the head coaches on Missouri? I was very fortunate. That was very fortunate that nothing escalated because that certainly could have and probably should have. What do you think is going to happen with Juwan Howard at Michigan? I know they just picked up a nice win at home over Ohio State, but you got him, speaking of pushing and shoving, getting into a fight with a strength coach reportedly. There's a lot going on. And then I look at that Michigan team, and I think they're now 7-10 and 10, uh, on the season. What ultimately happens with, with Juwan Howard? Well, that strength coach thing was bad. I had a guy tell me that's there. He goes, look, all the, all the strength coach was doing was he had been tired of Howard's kids, Martin back to coaches. He had been tired of Howard's kid not showing up for his rehab assignments, and he did not cross any kind of line, John Sanderson. I've known John 100 years, uh, and, and that was all on Howard and his rage or whatever he thinks is, what do I think is going to happen? I think it's to be determined. I, I think the rest of this season – for, for Howard to stay at Michigan, I think he's going to have to get that record turned around, which means he'll have a winning record in the Big Ten. You, you know, you can always make a move in, in the conference term of the NCAA tournament, but I, I'll also tell you this. There's more weird, just weird stuff. Uh, Doug McDaniel, their best player, their point guard, their leading scorer, I've never heard this, guys, and, and I swear to God, I've been around coaches since I was 16 years old uh, 100 years ago. I've never heard of a player – suspended six road games, meaning you can play at home, but you can't play on the road. I, I've never heard of that. And that's what they're in the middle of with this McDaniel kid. So he played and played okay against Ohio State. He didn't play in a road loss earlier in the week. He's not going to play later on this week in a road game. I, I, it's just some crazy stuff. Like, it, it tells me, and what I've heard is that, okay, this kid doesn't like going to school. Uh, he doesn't. He can't get his grades right because of time on the road. Well, if that's true, then fine. I'm not saying they're doing wrong. I'm not saying they're doing right. I'm just saying I've never heard of this in all my life. In thinking of punishments for kids, I never thought of, <laughs> "Hey, man, you're not going to play on the road. You'll play at home only." I 
kid probably likes it. I don't know. Dan, you're a man that likes to do a little wagering from time to time. You'll put some money down as a betting man. As a betting man, would you lay money down that Rick Pitino is going to turn St. John's into a national power while he's there? Uh, I would not bet against Patino. Uh, I, I, I would say it's uh, 45, uh, 4, 55 against. I'm not betting against Patino because here's the deal with national powers. All you got to do is go on one pretty good run. You know, all you got to do, go on one pretty good run, meaning all of a sudden, and Patino's going to work at it. Patino is not going to let a team quit. Patino is not going to let guys fall apart. Patino is not going to get crazy after two losses to where it decimates the whole team. I'm going to bet he is, but I'm not betting big. That, to me, is a pick em. That's a pick-em game. But it's only because of Patino's past record that I would, that would not bet against him. But I watched St. John's the other night. They looked horrible. And I, I don't know, you know, with this transfer portal, I guess kids uh, would want to play for Rick Patino. I'm assuming they'll know who Rick Patino is. Here's why I say that. I just, before the Indiana-Purdue game, there's a kid, he's about a junior at Purdue, uh, he plays at Purdue. He's from Southern Indiana. And he said, yeah, I, I'd heard of Bobby Knight, but I'd never heard of Gene Cady. So I'm sitting there going, well, damn. You know, dude lives <laughs> in Southern Indiana. And, and, he, you know, so, you know, life comes at you fast, brother. But I would say yes, but I, only because it's it, – look, I don't know. I have no idea what, like, Shaheen Holloway did at St. Peter's before he went on the run to beat Kentucky and beat Purdue. I have no idea what Fairleigh Dickinson did before they went on the run. Both of those coaches got new jobs. So I guess it's just one run and you're back in the, you know, the consciousness of the public, like maybe a Florida Gulf Coast – or not Florida Gulf Coast, Florida Atlantic, you know, or San Diego State. Dan Dockett's with us on Hot Mike. Uh, Dan, how many coaches, just in general, how many coaches want to go out the way Nick Saban did how many want to go out the way Coach K did with the tour and the fanfare? I think I, I think that the coaches that I know, I don't know one coach that would want to go out like like Shashevsky did. I, I honestly don't. Um, uh, like the way Nick Saban did is, you know, awesome. Uh, I had a deal with Coach Knight. I think I told you this, that he was going to quit midseason and I was going to get at least three-quarters of a year to be the head coach at Indiana, and that's why I stayed there so long. Uh, but I don't know of very many coaches. And I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's, hey, look, I want one last swan song and the timing just was right. I'm not really sure. But I really don't know anybody that – at least in my circle, and I know a lot of coaches. I talk to a lot of coaches. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'd be shocked if a guy like Izzo did that. I, I, just, I just would, or Matt Painter down the road. I, I, I just don't – coaches have egos, but it's coaching ego. You know, it, it's yes. not – and, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily everybody love me ego. It's more, well, I got more wins than him or – or my record against so-and-so is 8,027,010 and, you know, that kind of thing. That's kind of the ego. But, the, hey, everybody love me at Florida State. Give me a rocking chair. I, <laughs> the people that I know, they're not into that. I wonder, too, about burnout. Are we going to see the, the exits that, that reach that level just because of the era we're in. You know, we've seen some really good coaches just leave. I think that NIL and Transfer Portal had yeah. to have a, a, a hand in Nick Saban deciding to walk away at this time. 
There's no question. No, there's no question. I mean, you think about all you got to deal with. I was texting with a prominent basketball coach today, and he's like, yeah, this is going to get me this is going to get me out of here in two years. Uh, his team is transferring, coming into a different league. So, you know, we'll see if he wants to stay once he's in a different league. But there's no question. Now, nobody wants to admit it because, you know, again, the coaching ego, the coaching ego is like, I can handle anything. I would adjust. That's, I've adjusted for 35 years. Why wouldn't I adjust to this? I get all that happy horse bleep. Yep. But the truth of the matter is, man, coaching is personal. And so many people get so tied up into, well, he can go get more money over here. And as a coach, you look at it like, yeah, well, maybe he can. But, damn, we took this kid and we made him into this. We, we worked. He was at my house. We worked extra. I was in the gym with him at 6 in the morning. I mean, it, and those things kind of grind at you. You get enough guys. That, and, and you can always say coaches are disloyal, and that's fine, too. But I'm just saying, look – from a coaching standpoint, it just grinds at you and grinds at you and grinds at you that, all right, now this kid too? You're kidding me. This kid wants to leave after yeah. what we've done for, for this guy? Are you insane? Um, I know everybody's supposed to be robots. I know the almighty dollar dictates everything, but that's not really deep down how it goes for most coaches. Dan, one more for you on the way out. Uh, Chad and I – the officials in football are awful. The refs, terrible at every level, uh, pro and college. Where, where do you put college hoops uh, for, for the officials? Is it, is it on the same level? Is it much better? As you, have you seen a, a, a decline in the consistency? Oh, I, I'll tell you this. There's a huge decline, and it's the, it's, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons, and I've talked to officials about this, one of the reasons, guys, is freaking um, uh, replay. You cannot, you, you cannot have doubt in your mind as an official. You can't. And, I don't, and I've had the best officials in college basketball. I've sat down at breakfast with them, you know, day of a game at some freaking, you know, Holiday Inn Express or something <laughs> and talked about this. Continental. You know, you, you can't have, yeah, you know, uh, you can't have doubt. And replay, I get it. People want to, you know, the whole idea is you got to get it right. I, I get all that. I do. I swear. But the doubt that you're, well, replay will solve it. Well, if replay solving it, that means you probably made the wrong call. And I, I just think when you put doubt, there's certain jobs where you can just have no doubt. You know, it, it's like, I always look out across India and they got these big skyscrapers going up and these big cranes. And I'm like, man, you better be sure of yourself running one of these cranes, man. You know, there are some jobs you just can't have any doubt in officiating. Not, you're not always going to get killed, but you, you, you can't. And, and I've said this for years about replay and officials will tell you. I've talked to two ex and one current NFL official and they're like, uh, you know, doubt will kill you. You, you, you want, you, sometimes you see something and then you got to go to replay and it's not the same thing that you think you saw. It's just, it's ridiculous and it's not going to change. So you're just going to have to get better trained officials. The NFL, 
And this is going back again. This isn't from me. This is from this is very, very uh, out there public. People can see it. They made a big move to DEI. They made a big move to getting younger, more minorities in there, less experience. Used to be you had to have 25 years to get in the NFL as an official. Now most of them are 10 or less to get in. Uh, they got rid of older guys that had been in the league. They got rid of and, and they just wanted younger and they wanted diverse and they got it. And you know, it's no different in college basketball. I had the head of college basketball officials. He just passed away, John Adams, one time. He wanted to meet me for lunch, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He goes, oh, man, I'm making NCAA assignments. He goes, you know any black uh, officials out on the West Coast? I go, no, but why don't you just hire a dude from the Midwest to go out to the West Coast because I got to fit people into these, by guys. you know, I got to get a black African-American official from the West Coast. I go, really? He goes, yeah, that's all this is. It's not who's the best, and that sucks. And when you don't hire the best in officiating, you, you get what you get. Just want consistency. And you're right, I'm just the best. And they're, they're asked to do so much now because of the replay, and the NFL especially, just uh, tweaking the rules, doing all these different things. Oh. Uh, they need more officials on the field, honestly, for everything they have to watch. It's crazy, and it's very inconsistent, crew to crew. And now in the postseason, they've got these quote-unquote all-star crews that they're putting together. Still yeah. still awful. It's well, and, and how many times they go to that replay, Dan, and you're watching a game on television, and you're thinking to yourself, you don't need to go to the – this is clear who it went yeah. off of on this one. Just <laughs> stick with the call. Yeah. You got it right. Why are you second-guessing yourself? I'm with you. I think psychologically it does have a negative effect on officials that they use that review as their security blanket when making a call, and yeah. I think it kind of gets them making bad calls at times because they know they can go get it reversed. That's exactly right. That, now, and officials will tell you that. I, I didn't make that up. You know, I mean, I, that's from talking yeah. uh, a long time to a lot of different officials because, look, I under – and the only answer, look, you got to get it right. All right, I know. But I'll tell you this. Uh, what game was it? A ball was clearly recovered in bounds. It was a 14 to nothing game. I forget what game. I watched so many. And, you know, they didn't overturn it. It was the Packers, Packers-Cowboys, maybe. It, it, yeah, and then people are like, well, this is rigged. They didn't want to give them a game. That's what you open yourself up to yeah. is things like that. I, look, I've never been a fan. I like the human element of sports, right or wrong, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> they're not going back to no replay. Let's put no, it that they're way. Go, they're going to New York. It's New York that buzzes them, you know, and they – Sit it up there, That's they right. review it. That's and, right. Yeah, but there's no accountability. No, I can't tell you what's going on there. Uh, is it Riveron still or is it someone else? Again, don't know. Uh, Dan, what we do know, don't at me with Dan Dodd. He's the king. Mornings. He's got the crown behind him. He's got the crown behind him to show it. Good to see you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Thanks, guys. See ya. Crown him. Bye. Crown him. Crown him. The king. Dan Dockich. Yeah, he's, I mean, even the officials know that they got way too much going on. Well, and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's harped on the, the officiating thing, but he's right, and it is out there that that's what has happened. I, I, anytime you go into it saying anything other than we're going to hire the best, most qualified X for whatever job, and you start looking at any other parameters, your product will suffer. Yes. And it's happened in basketball. It's happened in the NFL. Your product is going to suffer when that happens. And it's why we will always trumpet sports and love it because when it comes to players, it does not matter. You want the best possible players out there. And background, race, 
education level, all those things does not matter. Can you play? Can you not? Can you help us win? That's what matters. Can you help us win? Can you be a good teammate? Can you contribute? How talented are you? That's what matters. Uh, NFL Network may be losing a solid reporter. That matters to them. Where's it going? We'll discuss that. Plus, primary complaint straight ahead on Hotline. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on. We're back, baby. What a fast show today. We're back. That's right. Uh, it's like we never left. Is Ian Rappaport going to leave NFL Network? He's he, a good one. He is excellent. Consistent. He's right there with Schefter. Right there. And Another one of those guys who's always on their phone. And, uh, uh, always getting texts or calls about something. Uh, the only difference is I don't see, and maybe I've just overlooked it, and if I have, I apologize. I don't see a lot of copy and paste versions of, of posts on X or Twitter, like I do with Schefter, like straight from the agent. Yeah, you know, uh, you could tell it's written by so and so for for that reason. Uh, again, could it could it be that Rappaport suited it too? Sure. And have there been instances where it's obvious that they both got the same information based on how things are worded? Yes. But the thought is, Rappaport may not necessarily stick with NFL Network because they're going to buy in to ESPN for an equity stake. Yeah. And they would have I think have NFL Schefter. Network is kind of diminishing. Oh, no. Uh, ESPN's going to run it. Uh, yeah. They, they I, are going to have... They're, they're, they will have exclusive broadcasts for the international games, which is going to expand. They are going to... They are going to have a direct-to-consumer well, they, version of ESPN Plus, and that is where... You'll have red zone and all these other things. Let me let me say it and this you're way. already paying five dollars for NFL that app yeah. or whatever it is to begin with. They just got done laying a lot of people off last year, and I think part of that was because of a strategic plan to partner with with ESPN. Well, and they've and been, what's happening? They've made no uh, if ands or buts about it. They wanted that, um, and ESPN was looking at other leagues too. And they go with the NFL. It's it's going to be massive with where they're going to take it. Uh, Clay mentioned the Super Bowl pay per view. I mean. Are you not surprised by the percentage of people that said, "Yeah, we'll pay five ninety nine for Peacock to watch an NFL game or any streaming service"? I was I, three I, out of five. I, I'm surprised, and then I remember that there's a lot of people now that streaming is just their reality, even more so than you know cable television or just watching TV. So when you get asked that question, if you're a sports fan, you're thinking, "Yeah, I mean, I already subscribed to." this, this, and this, and I'm a huge NFL fan, so if I wanted to watch the game, I wouldn't have a problem doing that also. Um, We're only going to see more. Yeah, and you're going to have to ask a young person that. I don't think a lot of older people are going to give you that answer. Uh, I know certainly my parents were not happy when they found out the game was on Peacock and not NBC on Saturday night because they couldn't watch it. So, you know, it's there's definitely an age sweet spot you're probably asking that question to if they're answering yes, no issue at all, if – 
I'm going to stream a game, a playoff game of that significance. And ESPN's also going to have uh, next year a divisional round game on Monday night, I believe. So they've got that, plus they've already got the wild card round that they've added to this package. 25 games for Monday night football, $2.7 billion annually is what they're paying. Crazy. And now they're partnered with the league that they're paying. $2.7 billion. Rappaport, though, where would you, I mean, didn't Schefter uh, at least entertain the idea that he would go to like FanDuel or uh, MGM or the Caesars? There was something there whenever his contract was up recently. I wonder it if that's, was, it was one of the betting. That's where apps he, that, that's to me, that it, he was possibly a company like go that to. is where I would dive in just based on the insider. Well, Schefter had a rough uh, about year. Remember the yes. Dalvin Cook? Yes. You're talking about a copy and paste? Yes. There was something with Dalvin Cook Straight when he the had the, the issue with domestic violence. Yes, you're right. And then the Dwayne Haskins uh, when he tragically lost his life and what he That's posted about recall, him being man. a bust. Yeah, you're right. That's another one that he had. So there were some down times for him. I always think, too, with those guys, what percentage of the time are they texting with people about stories and what percentage of the time are they just on their phone and talking to sources yeah, and, oh, and hear something. Yeah. I mean, their day is Chat. correspondence. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's what you're doing. Adam, Adam oh. Schefter is his phone is on at all times, but he is waking up, taking calls, making calls, looking at text, trying to get information or information is being given to him yeah. by people. So I, I wonder what the breakdown is of actual on the phone, talking to people versus text craziness in Detroit. The scene, we didn't dive into this much. The, the scene on the, the matchup was Detroit won. I thought about your prediction about how it was going to be Stafford oh, coming in, and it was two points, and I'm thinking, man, this is misery. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of that drive where they end up settling for a that, field goal. That stadium. I'm thinking, oh, here we yes. go. Yeah, and that, that stadium, that moment, uh, you know, Eminem, all of it, awesome. And think about how bad the other teams are right now there, how bad they've been. A long-suffering Lions fans, and now they're ponying up and going to pay. It's that's not no surprise. It's Sunday's game in Detroit, the most expensive divisional round ticket ever, uh, as Tampa Bay comes to town. Was Eminem on the sideline the whole game, or was that just the I shot they got of him before the game when they I showed? I thought it? they showed him in the in the box. Was he in the box? Okay, there was one shot. I'm watching I the think. broadcast, and they say, "Well, Eminem's in the house, and he was on the sideline, but it could have been a shot they got in pregame." Okay. Maybe right? so. Yeah. Because they showed Barry Sanders on the field, too, and they showed Calvin Johnson. Calvin, yeah. Barry Sanders rocking the uh, Axel Foley Beverly Hills Cop Detroit Lions jacket, which was really cool uh, on the sideline. It's, yeah, all the Detroit dignitaries are going to So they be weren't there. decked out in, in winter weather, uh, proper gear? No, they, they understood that the Detroit Lions play indoors, so they didn't have to do that. Todd Bowles received this question yesterday, Tampa head coach. Coach, uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Wow. Todd Bowles could be an excellent poker player with that face he's making the whole time as he has to sit through that question about wintry conditions 
for a dome stadium from a reporter. I feel bad for the reporter. How do you come back from that? Uh, yeah, I don't know if she was if she's normally on the beat or you know she's normally covering crime for the local paper and they sent her to this press conference to cover it and she had to get a question in. I don't know. When I see stuff like that oh. though, makes my skin crawl because I'm so uncomfortable with just how bad it is. When you see it, that's that's my reaction to that video. It's like a bad moment on Radio Row or something. Yeah, but Todd Bowles the whole time. He just oh, he was he handled it well. But at what, at what do point does he hit him? This, oh, she's really indoors, going to ask. Right? She's really going to ask if we're acclimated to the weather right now. And then there she goes. How many <laughs> NFL coaches just would have cut her off and been like, "No, we play indoors. No, we're not going to be outside." Think N- about next uh, question. Next uh, question. Let's consider uh, Belichick. <laughs> um. Stadiums indoors. Think about Gruden in that moment. Gruden probably would have had some fun with it. Maybe so. I like how she researched the temperature beforehand. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to oh, get them on. Yeah. Like, it's. I've done my due diligence. I, I've got my forecast here, coach, and it says 13 uh, degrees in Detroit uh, for I, this game. I would game. say searched. Uh, research is not the word word I would use for that question. I would say Googled on the phone while sitting there at the press. She got the weather app out on yeah, her iPhone exactly, and, and put punched in Detroit <laughs> and said. Coach, right here, it says 13 degrees for this game. How are you preparing your team to play in these conditions? I, I like what he also said, we're going to walk from the bus into the stadium, so that's going to be the coldest we're going to be, is that the few seconds oh. from the bus into the stadium. What would Mike Vrabel have done with that question? I think he would have cut, cut the person off and just rolled along to the next question. <laughs> I think even Mike Vrabel would have been, like, if he knew the person, somewhat sad for the person asking the question. Like you almost feel bad for them. You know it's that bad. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, certainly would be complaining about the, the the job performance and the research that went into that uh, that question. It's time for primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's primary complaint. I am staying in Detroit, and there is a point in time when receipts are due. And Jamel Hill has received receipts for a tweet back in 2021 that we're going to show you here. Uh, when Dan Campbell was hired, and he's discussing biting kneecaps, and the original uh, tweet. The written quote doesn't capture the levels here. Both kneecaps, and it's the video that's embedded. Jamil Hill responds and retweets and says, this is who black coaches are losing opportunities to. Uh, also, that Dan Campbell works under Brad Holmes, the executive vice president and general manager, who is African-American. Well, receipts are due after we see the scene in Detroit where Dan Campbell can do no wrong as they move on to the divisional round. And she was asked if she had a comment based on that receipt. And she said, I do actually. Putting something together because it requires more than a tweet. Um, your original post did not require more than a tweet. When receipts are due, you must pony up. Here it is. Admit you're wrong. That's all you have to do, but she won't do it. That's my primary complaint. I love how there's those few words in a tweet that was requisite to make a, a just 
smoldering accusation of racism for a white right. coach being hired. That, that was fine in that tweet in that moment. But now that I'm defending my awful opinion and that I've been proven wrong, I'm going to need more than a tweet, guys. I'm really going to have to get, dive into this right. thing and dig into it and write out a way more than that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, my primary complaint this week, this was inspired uh, about a recent trip to the Tennessee Titans football game okay. uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was there with my eight-year-old daughter. It was her second game. Uh, it was a nice daddy-daughter day. Had a fun time. You know, she wanted the foam finger. We talked about that. Foam fingers, still undefeated. Kids everywhere want them every time for decades now. Got the snacks, got the hot chocolate on a cold day, did, did all these things. But one thing that a dad can't do with his little girl is go into the women's bathroom. So what they do is they create family bathrooms for this situation. I also just can't send my little kid into the bathroom to wait in line and go through all that without someone in there, uh, you know, just in case something happens, right? The family restroom, I don't know if, if people understand this, but it's designed for the family unit and for small children or people that need assistance. It's not designed for the men that waited in line in front of me and my little girl the whole time, waited in line for 10, 15 minutes to just go take a slam during the game because <laughs> they didn't want to go take a slam in the public men's restroom. They wanted their privacy, and they wanted to take their time. We got guys rolling up with newspapers and wow. uh, just ready to go in there, single men, no kids around, no family. Got their coffee. Coffee ran through them, apparently. They're ready to go take their morning dump. And in doing so, did it in front of my little girl before we had a chance to go in there. We had to wait in line forever, missed half of the third quarter for these dudes going to take a private slam instead of going to the men's restroom. That is my primary complaint. Was it at least warm in there? I didn't go. I, I had to check it out. I opened it up, made sure it's like it's an individual bathroom. My daughter's the one who had to go in there and, and deal with the fallout rough. after that. Oh. That's rough. Yeah. I, your, your, yours beats mine, Chad. But... For my primary complaint this week, you know, the cold temperatures, it's hitting majority of America right now, and it's been difficult. I, I don't do so well with cold weather. I have something called Raynaud's. I just, my mom has this. I didn't discover that I had it till a couple of years ago, but essentially what happens is the blood just goes away from your, your fingers and your wow. toes. And so you can see a picture of my hand here of how the tips of the fingers, it's super white because all the blood's like going back down into my the My wife pond. has the same condition. It looks wow. just like that, too, yeah. every time she gets cold. And it's really difficult if you're trying to use something where it's like you need precision because you don't have any filling in your fingertips. Well, today, as it's 10 degrees, I actually had to go and put tire, uh, put air in my tires. And where the, the valve stem caps are, it got to the point it was so cold, I couldn't screw those back on because my hands had gone numb after the ray nods had set in. And just having to deal with that, it's not ideal. I also didn't like that of this weather was the time where I know air pressure is going to drop some, but I think I might actually have a nail in my uh, driver's side uh, left rear tire. Ooh. But we'll we'll cross that bridge a little bit later on. At least the, the sensor went off for now, but yeah. Car troubles and then trying to fix it with hands that don't necessarily work, that's my primary complaint. Yeah, ray nods is no joke. Like, there's a lot of uh, dangers with that when you get cold. So you lose all feeling. Hands, lose all feeling. And, um, yeah, it looks just like that. It's like part of your hand is dead. You know, that's the way it looks. Yeah, it's too. like it a, cadaver, so a cadaver hand. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy to see. But, it's, but your thumb is fine, right? Uh, I'm just looking at this. It might have been okay painful. there. Like, it, it'll, it'll – um, 
it, it sometimes varies as far as like there's times where it's like only one finger will be impacted. Sometimes the whole hand and just the, I mean, it does the same thing as far as different toes. There's no rhyme or reason as to why this area, but uh, a quick fix is just putting my hand or my feet like under warm water and it'll eventually like the blood will come back in. You can actually see the blood come back into your hands and it'll come in at different, different areas as well. Well, the air pressure, you know, the old science lesson yeah. back in the day, how I know that cold weather affects air pressure is I'd keep my basketball in the garage that was not insulated in my house, and it would get freezing like this. And then the next time I'd go outside and try to dribble the basketball, it's flat from being that cold. It just stays. Yeah, the air pressure, the air goes out of it. Air pressure goes out. Davey, I've never seen the the hand like this. I would say that's weird if I just saw the picture and that's it. Uh, stick with us. Let's get weird. Yeah, let's do it. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Guys, you've probably heard of the any Alaska- more diseases you want to confess to uh, first before we go. I don't think so. All right. Well, that's next week. Suffer from migraines a lot, but that's I don't, that's not technically a disease, is it? I'm sure you could probably file for something. You, you could narrow it if down if it recurs. But, but uh, either way, guys, uh, the Raynaud isn't near as serious as and scary as what a lot of the Alaskan Airlines uh, passengers went through recently. Whenever the fuselage ended up having their door essentially blown off and the latest that has happened uh if you if you look at that you're obviously flying through the air and what was crazy was people knew that something was wrong because they could hear this rustling for a couple of minutes before this panel ultimately just was uh it's a nightmare taken off of the plane completely it started sucking out people's personal items fortunately nobody was sucked out as that happened but uh the cabin pressure destabilized and you had to make an emergency landing the the thing that was super crazy about this was um there was the path the, the line of the air airplane was going an iphone ended up falling fifteen thousand feet and manage to still work Chad's phone. after it landed. <laughs> and uh, if we could put the camera on me, we actually have that phone. Yeah, here it is. Right here. This is it. He right found here. It. It's and this it, iPhone it does work. That, it, that continues This to is work. iPhone 7, right? Chad? This is, yes. Yeah, 7S. 7S. But, yeah. Yeah, let's get it right. <laughs> the, the signature version. Yeah. And, and whenever this person ended up finding the iPhone, it, you could tell it was still on airplane mode and it had a baggage claim <laughs> for the exact flight that had. That's great lost the fuselage so or not the fuselage but the panel it, it came off like that's that's another thing i was talking with what Ryan an ad the other for day. apple by the way just the unsolicited that's a great advertisement for their product I, imagine being out in your yard and you know you're just mowing and this just drops yeah, i mean thank god I didn't hit somebody or uh, yeah bust that's, through that's a, a roof or a, win- of a house yeah, a window something yeah i'm skeptical i've dropped my phone yeah. in like sitting right where i am it's probably three feet down to the ground right here and it cracked the screen. <laughs> and you're telling me this thing th- fell yeah. 15,000 feet and it's still in perfect working condition. The one thing you can see if you look at the bottom of it, it was on a charger. And you can see where the charger broke. Wow, yeah. Okay. And so it's still plugged in, but obviously it's not connected to anything. I, I just think that's amazing. That is great. Speaking of Alaska, are you guys watching True Detective Night Country? Yeah. I did watch the first episode. What would you think? They're definitely going for more of a horror psychological oh, yeah. uh, theme than... Then uh, episodes past the thing, kind of the overtones of that, even showing the VHS of the thing in the background of the uh, Arctic 
uh, exploration Chad, station. Just so far, where uh, Davy chime in? Like, where did I haven't watched it? Where does it rank in just the initial? Yeah, you know, the show grabs you of the uh, other very, two detectives. Very similar to the initial season. It's just what? not McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Jodie Foster's terrific. Uh, I will say. Uh, uh, see, I always think about Nell. The I first season, I, I, I didn't find really the very not in that performance. Oh uh, yeah, she's so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> she was so good as Nell. It's but like, Hutton can only see Jodie Foster as like Nell ben the rest of her life. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. I, I didn't think the first season it took simple me like jack. a couple of episodes to get simple into jack. it that's it sorry go ahead that's no. what i'm thinking of uh do you like it davy i did i it's one of those things where every true detective i've watched i've never thought after watching the first episode it's like oh this is going to be great like it, it yeah. usually has to build a little bit and like with the season one once episode three hit that's when i was hooked so yeah this one has more uh davy's right like outright uh supernatural leanings I would say, and it did nothing confirmed yet supernatural, but it's more in your face about it. Where season one with the Carcosa and the Yellow King and all yes, of that, all yes. the mysticism stuff, that was sort of baked a layer deeper into it. This one's kind of more out front with what possibly could be going on. And I'm not doing any spoilers here, but when I first saw it, the thing that like came to my mind was if you've ever seen the horror film 30 Days of Night. And it's just simply because it's set above the Arctic Circle. And so on, I think it's December 17th, 17th, that's the last sunset of the year. So everything that's going to occur from here on out, it's total and complete darkness. The show opens December 17th, north of the Arctic Circle, Enos, Alaska. It's a fictional town. I I looked it up, though. It's a fictional town that's meant to be an amalgamation of Nome, Alaska, and two other villages. They kind of put together to make it what this is. The show is shot in Iceland. And they make it Enos, Alaska in it. But Hutton, it opens uh, December 17th, final sunset of the year. Okay. And it is a Christmas. I also read about this. It is a Christmas story. These six episodes will be told all around Christmas time in complete darkness. Is this a Christmas show? Years from now, we're going to be saying, True Detective Season 4, Night Country, Christmas show or not. Chad, you've also convinced me to watch Fargo Season 5 and just started it. Yeah, it just it ended this week. I've not watched the finale yet, but it's terrific. Well, I, I'm not there yet, but this opens up every episode with saying this is a true story. It's not even a true story. I, I don't like no. that. That's false advertising. Where they're yeah, like, and yeah, and that, that was the thing in the original Fargo that they just held true to it. It opened with that disclaimer that this is a true story. We've changed the names of you know to protect the victims or whatever the innocent. It does all that, but it's not a true story at all. But they put that on there. I'm doing a quick scroll just to see if anything uh, NFL-related is out there. I I don't see anything currently with the coaching decisions. Do you think by tomorrow when we have the show that we will hear something on Sirianni, who reportedly is meeting today? McCarthy is meeting either tomorrow or Friday, but indications are he's going to keep his gig. Again, that's just boots on the ground in Dallas. Um, And Vrabel. Do we finally hear his name surface? Because we've heard Belichick, of course... Jim Harbaugh meeting uh, and interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons. I've heard zero requests for Vrabel. Yeah, same. It's weird. He's waiting on one specific job or waiting on the Raiders to call. I'm, I'm charged. I mean, where are they headed? Your Seattle or, or, is he, or Seattle? But Seattle's going. Well, with there's Dan not Quinn, even a report that this team is zeroing in on Mike Vrabel. Right. Well, unless it was well, it was the Patriots. That was it. Yeah. And then the Patriots went in house because of the contract with Mayo. But you're right. I mean, uh, Seattle is talking with Dan Quinn and I I think that was the direction they were going um, 
difficult to go there, though, when Pete Carroll's like, you know what? I wanted to coach, and this was not a football decision. Football people did not make this call. He's pointing to an ownership. Is he going to coach again? Tough. We're back at it tomorrow. That won't be tough. It'll be fun. Right here. Hot Mat with Hutton Withrow. Outkick.com slash watch. <laughs>